Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. I'm Dan Putt, one of the partners here at Reboot. I could not be more excited about this show. I've known Jerry for almost seven years now, and without a doubt, I can say that my work with him has had a profound impact on my life. In this show, we're opening up the coaching couch to the world and bringing everyone in on this conversation around this work. We're here to showcase the heart and soul of authentic leadership and to inspire more open conversations around what we consider the most important part of entrepreneurship, the emotional struggle, and hopefully opening up some hearts along the way. We are extremely grateful that you've taken the time to be with us and look forward to this journey ahead with you. Now, on to our conversation. Being CEO of a startup is really hard. It's lonely, there's long hours, there's constant demands, and there's no manual. This is why Jerry helped create the CEO Bootcamp. Join us February 25th through March 1st at our 2015 Winter CEO Bootcamp in Winter Park, Colorado. You'll connect with 20 other startup leaders and learn what it means to be a leader. For more information, Go to reboot.io slash bootcamps. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space lies our freedom and power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and freedom. And that quote is often attributed to Viktor Frankl, although the author is unknown. This quote seemed to fit for our guest today. Joseph Chur. Joseph's an innovator, always on the move. In the last few years, he started not one, but two companies that employ nearly 100 people combined. And yet he feels a constant drive for more. The drive is so strong, it overcomes even his best wishes to be present, especially at home with his wife and kids. Why is the drive, the itch, to not sit still so strong? What's he running towards? Or perhaps running from. In this conversation, Jerry and Joseph explore why he feels compelled to run, to continually produce, and why mindfulness is about so much more than meditation. It's about expanding the space between stimulus and response. Tell me a little bit more about the company. It's really two companies that you're working with, and then we'll go into what it is that you wanted to talk through today. Sure. So, we have two companies, like you mentioned, Launch Digital Marketing, which was established in the latter part of 2010. We didn't really incorporate until 2011, though. And uh, Launch creates, um, essentially, we started off as a search engine optimization company, but then quickly moved into building websites, then SEM, SEO, advanced analytics, software development, and just really anything that has to do with online advertising. Um, a lot of we have we work with a ton of different verticals, but we found a particular niche in the automotive space, um, particularly because my background is is in automotive. I was at Ford Motor Company for ten years, then actually was a car dealer for a few years, and uh, then created in what's called a BDC department for for a couple of dealerships in the Chicago area. So we created another company called Dealer Inspire, um, different ownership, different um, business model. And that's more of, uh, you know, we kind of bootstrapped that company because it's more software development and more of your traditional 
I like to say is uh, you know Silicon Valley type startup where it's a lot of engineering, um, less sales, but more engineering and so forth. So both companies have uh, have taken off, and um, uh, we have close to 100 employees combined. Um, uh, we're based outside the Chicago area, and just really uh, love what we do and innovate every day. And I want to be clear: you're a CEO of both companies. I am. Yeah. Yeah. This might actually touch upon our issue today, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, what is it that you wanted to talk through? Well, I think, you know, the CEO retreat was awesome. I mean, it was life-changing for me personally. Um, it introduced me to meditation, which I've, uh, I've since grown to, to like. I wouldn't say love yet because it's, it's a tough practice to really. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm, in theory, everything sounds perfect with it. Um, but it's, it's just hard. I would it's, say it's hard. Even the 10 minutes, it's like the hardest 10 minutes of my day, but, yeah. um, but it does give you that feeling, um, that I just love of just relaxation and so forth for, for brief periods throughout the, the given day. Well, the um, word, it's just a word on meditation. The thing you have to remember is that we don't meditate for the effect that it has on the cushion. We meditate for the rest of the day. And so, as you just said, you know, the whole point is to increase your capacity to notice your own mind, notice what's actually going on, by the way, which can be a really disturbing experience. It can make you kind of crazy. Yeah. Right. When you, when you see just how tumultuous your mind is and how crazy it can be. But the whole goal is to increase your capacity to notice so that you effectively increase your capacity to choose what kind of experience you're going to have. And so you're online at Starbucks, and the person in front of you can't get their act together, and they're taking forever to place the order. In that moment, you have a choice. Do you get pissed off, or do you take a deep breath and see the humor in the whole thing? Right. Most yeah. of us don't even choose. Most of us just react. And that's what meditation is really about. It's not necessarily, even though at times it can produce a feeling of calm, even in the moment, which is lovely. But the thing I'm most interested in is giving you the skills to make sure that you can just, okay, sales report just came in and sales suck. I'm going to yeah. choose how I respond in that moment. So. Yeah. No, it's it totally. And it's, I've, I've had to really think through the internal benefits of it. And it, it is really um, analogous to me to, you know, again, the, the big part of meditation is being present, um, which is something I'm not, a, not very good at because I'm, I'm obsessed with work and innovation and just, you know, building these companies and so forth, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. But I, I really have thought through the benefits of it. And I think about the times I'm happiest in my life and it's really when I'm present in that and that has to do with, you know, if, for example, I'm, I'm at a concert, right? You're not really thinking about much else except your experience at that exact moment. And then when I thought about that, how true that is, and, and when you're truly there for your, your, your children, when you're present at that, those moments, or you're just having fun with friends and you're not, cons you're not thinking about everything else, um, I think that's what meditation allows me to, to get to is those, those escapes where I can really be present which, which, quite frankly, I'm, I'm horrible at that. But I think since the CEO retreat, 
I've been introduced to in a way where I, I wouldn't have been otherwise and, it, and I've internalized the reasoning for it um, and using cool you know, apps and uh, reading Dan Harris's book, 10% Happier mm. and your stuff, your blogs and so forth. And uh, it's just really helped kind of reaffirm the, the, you know, the reason for it really. Yeah. So, so I'm noticing something too. You said a couple of times how you're really terrible at something. Yeah. So just hold on to that for a moment. There's a really common phenomena that happens. Don't worry, I'm not making you cry yet. <laughs> Notice the frequency which which you want to judge yourself. Notice notice without judging even that. Right? Um, there's a phenomena. I remember going to a meditation um, uh, class one time, and after the first five minutes or so, the instructor said, okay, now who here in the room spent the entire time thinking about what a lousy meditator they are. And we all raised our hands. We are kind of programmed in our society for two different functions. One is constant self-criticism, constant. We use it, we tell ourselves that we use it to drive ourselves for better and better performance. But really what we're using it for is to push away whatever experience that we're having right now. Because we say to ourselves, okay, the experience I'm having right now kind of sucks, and somewhere in the future will be better. Or, if we're fortunate, we remember the time in the past when it was better. And that's the other thing that the society is kind of geared towards, which is past and future, past and future, past and future, past and future. So you're right, you're at the concert, you're enjoying it, it's the present moment. And then here's the way society kind of kicks in. Ding! Right? Mm -hmm. You get a little text on your phone. And what do you do? You reach into the pocket, you pull out the phone, you look at the text, and now you've just left. That's right. Right? And even though the text feels present, it's actually not. It's kind of like a message from the past or a message from the future. It has nothing to do with the present. Yeah, good point. Right? And... Everything that we do in our society is kind of geared towards that. So the fact that it's not a muscle that's well-developed, this staying present thing, give yourself a break. And I think you're right to link this to to the experience of trying to balance everything that you've got going and noticing around that. But, but just, I want to catch that tendency to lump it all into this i suck category yeah right which is that other phenomena going on so but i interrupted you you were you were you were describing this sort of journey since the boot camp and tell me more yeah so i think when i left the boot camp i came back with just really analyzing myself um identifying you know with the my Coworkers still say this today with the green, yellow, and red sticks. Mm. In fact, my I have Somebody them right stole here. them, damn it. No. Yeah, I have them right here in my hands. Uh, <laughs> well, my, my admin cleaned my desk. Uh, thanks, Taylor. Um, but uh, I have them here, and people say, you know, stay green, my friend, you know, when good things happen. And that's kind of just the, the whole office knows, knows about it. Oh, that's and great. Yeah, it really is. And just understanding kind of where you're at. So when I left the boot camp, I came back with just, I felt like refreshed and, you know, since then it's been several months. I, I think like you just tend to go back in your old ways and, and, um, I'm, 
continually obsessed with growing the business um, with innovation and technology and all the, and all the things that may sound good on paper, but I'm still finding it very hard to be president and to let go of the ego uh, as much as possible to not get so, um, uh, you know, to not be so reactive to things, which as much as I try and be cognizant of that, I am. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, I, I really just want to continually to work on that and almost try and take myself back to the place of the boot camp and the feeling that I had when I left. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's, that's the biggest thing I struggle with is that, you know, at, at that point, I, I had a mission, and that mission since faded a little bit. And, and that's why this is really good timing for this session. Uh, what was the mission? Um, to let go of just being the guy that we had talked about um, in that session. And uh, I've, I've you know, listened to your other podcasts and I've heard echoes of the, the other CEOs, you know, saying the same things or feeling the same things. And, and I think it's beneficial not only, I, I like know why it's beneficial. For one, being more present with my family, um, being you know, more present in, in the, you know, my everyday, uh, work role, uh, versus being very reactive or, um, you know, not being the full self I could be. Um, it's just a challenge how to get there, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how to get back there, I should say. Because the, the, what you're seeing is that you have this tendency towards, obsessively thinking about and working on the business. Is that right? Correct. Even when I'm at home with my children or I'm um, playing with them, I can't help but thinking about new ideas or technology or innovations that we can create. And all of a sudden it triggers something and then I'm to my phone and I'm, I'm taken away from that present moment. And it really it really hits home when I'm not home, when I'm traveling, when I'm at work, when I see something on TV or I see kids at the airport, you know, and then I'm like, Oh, I miss my children or my family. And then I go back home and it's like the whole thing happens over again. But even in that moment when you're brought up and, 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 and it's made visceral for you, Oh, I miss my family. Despite that experience, when you go home and there you are, and they're right there, you leave. Yeah. And you identified the the thought is like this creativity, this innovation, this new idea that pops in. And that 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 and I imagine things like it getting an email or a text message or some crisis might draw you away. Correct. So the first thing I'm going to say in response is, um, and, and there's a, this other thing going on, which is that you have a wish to return to sort of more of a green state versus the red, yellow, green that, that we teach at the boot camp, which is really, uh, it's a shorthand way of identifying my internal state and really communicating to somebody else where we are, yellow being sort of in a warning zone and green being in a, in, in a really open and, and a live place, and red being out of capacity and really stressed. 
So the, the first thing that comes to mind is actually to remind you of something that I just said a few minutes ago as it relates to meditation. And that is, notice the capacity to be judgmental and critical about your inability to stay calm. Notice the capacity or the tendency to criticize, to put yourself into a a more stressed state. Right? Oh, what a terrible father I am. Oh, what a terrible husband I am. God, didn't I learn anything at that damn boot camp? Notice how quickly the mind starts to create that storyline that you're terrible. You suck. The reason I want you to notice that is that notice how it doesn't do what you want it to do. I'm speaking to that part of your mind, which is like, taking a rolled up newspaper and slapping you on the nose like a dog. Stop peeing on the carpet. It actually doesn't work. It just makes the dog pee more. I know it's a strange metaphor. (laughs) Right? Right? So noticing the self-criticism, there's a relationship between the self-criticism. Now watch this. How do you feel when you get a brilliant idea that's so exciting that you want to text it immediately? How do you feel about yourself? Great. Yes. So our human tendency, this sounds simplistic, but it's important to point out, a human tendency is to avoid feelings that make us feel like crap or situations that make us feel like crap and to move towards situations that make us feel good. Right? So there's this running self-criticism behind the scenes. I'm not such a good meditator. Oh, I'm going to get on the phone with Jerry. Jerry might even criticize me. Oh, what's happened to you, Joe? Right? All of this nonsense. And of course, your mind is going to gravitate towards that which makes it feel better. In fact, sometimes we even gravitate towards crisis because it makes us feel better by solving the crisis. Makes sense. Right? Because sitting there, being suburban dad, how old are the kids? Uh, two and a half, uh, four and a half, and then I have a 16-year-old too. Right. So do you ever feel, especially with the teenager, did you ever feel completely helpless? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? The two and a half-year-old, who, when, the, when, when they were one and they were teething and there was nothing you could do, right? So, of course, we're going to move away from situations that make us feel bad, and we're going to move towards situations that make us feel better. So understanding that that's going on, the reason I say that is I want you to rest, be gentle with yourself. Don't add to the, to the torture by telling me what a terrible person you are. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's why this notion of mindfulness, forget meditation or anything like that, this notion of mindfulness, consciousness, and awareness, that's why we use the term practice. Here's a dirty little secret, Joe. You're never going to achieve it. You're just going to be moving towards it. You're never going to be, not even His Holiness the Dalai Lama, wakes up and is 100% mindful 100% of the time. It doesn't happen. 
And remembering that is really important because we are an achievement-oriented society. And we think that unless we achieve it, we suck. Okay? Yeah. So the truth is, it's the movement towards that creates the benefit. I once had a meditation instructor teach me, if you spend 20 minutes in meditation, or if you sit down for 20 minutes for meditation and spend 19 minutes wool gathering and wake up in the last minute, you've had a successful meditation session because you woke up. And our goal isn't to get you to always be present in every moment of your life. Our goal is to increase the capacity for you to notice when you're not. So again, you get to choose. That makes sense. Right? So when you're at the concert and you set an intention to enjoy the concert, you could do something really freaking radical. You could turn off your phone. Like, what? I, I can't say it. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous how hard that is, but right. it's in in almost every moment of my life, it's so there and addicting, and like you know, you want to reach for it right now. Right, right. Because every time I say phone, there's a little dopamine hit going on in your brain, right. going check it, check it, check it. Right. Yeah. But the truth is, Joe, you're in your 30s, right? Yes. So there was a time in your life when you were unavailable by phone. <laughs> That's true. Right? Now, our kids will never know that feeling. Right. Right? But there was a time in your life when you got a whole lot of things done and had a whole lot of fun and a whole lot of pain, and you were unavailable by phone. Doesn't feel like that anymore. No. And noticing that is the first step. Noticing how drawn in it is. Noticing how powerful the tendency is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's where that's where it comes down to the setting the, the companies up to a point where I feel like I can be away. And I think for launch digital marketing, it's it's gotten significantly better hiring the right people and and having a support team there that that I know not all the weights on my on my shoulders anymore. Okay, I just, want you to just pause on that. Again, sure. I'm not going to make you cry. I know, having come to the boot camp, you know that when I say pause, you yeah. means cry. Okay, but I just want you to recognize what you just said. Remember the three things that a CEO is responsible for, right? The three nope. things are build, uh, hold, and maintain the vision build and maintain the team, and then give them the resources they need to succeed. Yep. Notice that what you're just describing is that you're building and have built a, a stronger team, and a funny thing has happened. It's made your job easier. Correct. Right. Yes. So from yes. that perspective, even though you're still struggling with the balance and the obsessions and the concerns and the emotions associated with that, Notice that one of the most important tools, yes, mindfulness meditation is a powerful tool. Let's leave it aside for a moment. An even greater tool is building the team and then equally important, trusting them and letting them do the job you hired them to do. Yep. And making sure that they have the resources 
that they can then succeed. Yeah. So the funny thing is, as soon as we got launched to that point, I look at the timeline of my life, and that's when we kind of created a new company, Dealer Inspire. And and my uh, fear, my fear is that yes, it's a good and bad thing, right? It's it's I'm fantastically blessed that we have two good companies and um, profitable, great employees are able to create jobs for all that stuff is fantastic. So I, and I look at it and I say, wow, oh, the time is now though to capitalize on creating even more things. Um, because we're at it, we're at, you know, if I fast forward to 10 or 15 years from now, we're in a very unique state in terms of technology and the ability to create. And is that going to be there, um, in the long term? And that's why, you know, I can't say that even if I put people in charge of, launch, dealer inspire, there's going to be for whatever reason. And I think it's just me. Um, I'm going to want to create something else and then fall into the same trap. So yes, yes. So pause. Yes. Okay. And I, someone said to me, they hate when I do that. I, I apologize. No, that's fine. But the reason I do it is I want to create a kind of cognitive dissonance because I can feel in my body, I can feel you getting amped up and going, and yeah. going, and going. Okay. So I think that there's two emotions at play behind this. In a sense, you asked about the obsession. And then you somewhat tongue-in-cheek, not really tongue-in-cheek, but somewhat with some self-awareness and humor, recognize that once you got launch settled and in a good, comfortable place, it started happening again. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Not that I'm not honest in other cases, but I'm going to be especially honest here. I relate to that feeling, right? So, so this podcast is all part of Reboot. Reboot is a new company. I had a great life, Joe. I had a great life coaching and coaching. Why the heck did I help develop those boot camps? Why the heck have I now done this new company that I can't help it? It starts to drive, right? New ideas, new ideas, new ideas, new ideas. Yeah. Right. So I really relate to that. I think there's two emotions going on here. I want to bring your attention back to something. Remember when you first thought of Dealer Inspired? Mm -hmm. What was the feeling? Of opportunity and excitement and um, really overall the ability to, to change what had currently existed in the space. What was the, what was the excitement? It was the excitement about the potential to change things? Because I, I saw an obvious solution to a, a complex problem. Okay. And remember what we were saying before? How does it make you feel about yourself when you stumble upon or have that insight, that eureka moment, seeing an opportunity out there. It's a, one of the best feelings in the world that right. I've ever felt. Right, right. How does it make you feel about yourself? Fantastic. I, I'm a yeah. genius. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a genius. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. a beautiful feeling. It's a gorgeous feeling. Okay? And so there's a seductive quality to that feeling. Now there's another side to this. Right? And, 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 I'm going to, for the sake of this point, 
call that feeling love. Because it's a kind of creative expression. And it's about the wonder, and it's about excitement, it's about passion, it's about, it's about this gorgeous feeling of connection with the world and seeing it's like you like when the eureka moment happens it's like you can see five chess moves ahead Mm -hmm. right yeah that's exactly right it's like damn if i just do this this and this right let's go now let's do it now now. right 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 now there's a corollary feeling to that and here and, and and let's explore it what happens if you did nothing oh it would it would just eat at me why? For a few reasons. One is, um, I feel like if you have the ability to do something and you don't do it, you're doing a disservice to yourself and to the world, essentially. Ooh, that's a pretty negative feeling. <laughs> so, Joe, you've got a lot of potential, my friend. You better live up to your potential. Okay, you just bit your lip. Yeah. You've heard that one before, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I know where you're going with this. but I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> I hope you do. Where am I going, Joe? I, well, I mean, it, it all stems back to, you know, your upbringing, your childhood, and, you know, things that have happened to make you want to be the best you can be or the opposite of something you've seen. So I think in my case, it wasn't someone pushing me to be the better person. It's watching someone make a lot of mistakes that I wanted to do the complete opposite. And I know, Keep and, and I know the, the, for me personally, the best feeling or one of the best feelings I have is, is, um, being su- successful. And I'm not saying that monetarily wise, just no, taking big- something from nothing and doing the complete opposite of, of what I've, I've seen from a father figure, um, so to speak. And, um, or my father, not a father figure is my father. And, um, kind of what happened with, you know, he had an opportunity as a president of a company and he, he had some things in life happen that he then took the complete opposite, um, path that I think he should have. And, you know, he's since passed away from his lifestyle choices. And I look at that and I just, it's baffling to me. And I want to be the opposite of that every single day. Yeah. Just slow down. my friend, Cause now we hit it. Yeah. Yeah. There is the love. There's the affirmation that you get. And then there's the counter feeling. I don't want to be him. I want you to take a breath right now because I know you're not breathing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the fear, because that's the word, isn't it? That if you don't seize this opportunity, who are you going to end up like? Exactly. Right. Right. So the affirmation, in a sense, pushes away what is always there. Remember before I said about the, that, 
that incessant voice of self-criticism? Yes. Okay. How long have you carried the fear that you're going to end up like your father? Since I was 16 years old. Right. What happened at 16? My parents got a divorce and my dad just... Fell apart? Fell apart, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, so driven, driven is the word, to not be your father. That a big source of internal affirmation, of internal feeling good about yourself, has become external success. And interestingly, you made the point, it's not even about money. Money sometimes is a proxy for that. Mm -hmm. But it's really about that affirmation. It's like you did it, you did it. And it doesn't even have to come from anybody else. It's like external to the inner you coming from you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's probably why, um, well, that is why I feel like even after... Dealer Inspire, and let's say get that rolling, you want to create the next big thing because I want that feeling again. I want that, you because know, what you don't want is the other feeling. Correct. And I like, and with that, as you know, having mm. successful businesses, you start to get praise and external recognition. And I feel a, a, uh, probably in, I don't want to say a negative term again, but an un, almost an unneeded feeling. I know that I don't, do I necessarily need that praise? No, but I feel like I do. Like, do I really need it? No. I mean, I look at what we've created and it's pretty, pretty exciting. Someone, coworker was asking me yesterday, they're like, do you wake up and like, look what you created? And I'm like, no, I don't. I just wake up and like, let's go. And you don't even pause to think about it. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that, but I think it's just at the end of the day, I want to look back and be the opposite of what my father was. And what I think you're finding is that the strategy you used, starting at about 16, has its limitations. See, not only do you want to be the opposite of what your father was, and this is perceptual, right? Because we don't actually know what he was like. But you want to be the opposite of what you perceive him to be. You want to not feel like you're becoming him or you are him. That's right. And there's a limit in the strategy that you've deployed. And the limit is I successfully launch, launch. I get it to the place where it's functional. And my mind obsesses. And that was your term. And that's where I knew that there was something here. Obsessively goes to the next idea. Yes. And what's the fear? Uh, let's assume that Dealer Inspired is successful. Now you've got two successful companies. What's the fear? That it won't be one day. What will satisfy the fear? How many successful businesses do you have to launch before the fear is no longer there? I think the problem is not that it's just defining the word success. It's like, what, it, what does that look like? And what does that mean? Cause it does, never seems like it's, unless you, you know, having an exit or, you know, something like that where you have closure, um, 
it's, and that's part of the reason why, you know, I'm constantly involved in both is I feel like I need to control that. Control what? The exit? Control the, no, 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 the, the, the success or failure. Success? Yeah, I can't, I mean, you know, you need to, or, you know, things need to have continual care, I feel, or, you know, they can turn the other way, like, you know, most businesses do. I mean, the odds of creating a successful business in five years is very low, as you know, and 10 years even lower. So it's not, you know, the definition of success changes, um, or not the definition, but, you know, the degree at which something is, is successful changes often. Well, I think you're, I think you're touching upon yet another uh, observation, which is that the more you create, the more that you have that has this um, vital role within you to to serve this sort of need inside of you, the higher the stakes become, and the higher the stakes the higher are the stakes, the more tenuous the success feels, the more at risk we are, the more fear we have. Yeah. I think that that phenomenon is at play for you here and is perhaps behind some of the obsession. And I think that there's, I worry that there is this other phenomena, which is, Which, which, it strikes me that you launched a second business after launch seemed to be so calm. And I wondered if dealer, if when dealer inspired gets calm, if you're going to have to launch a third business and then a fourth. Right. You see where I'm headed? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the the cycle of being present, of being there, you know, for the family, it like when will it end? It, I don't know. Right. Right. Because what is it that you're truly chasing? You're chasing a ghost. Right. You're chasing your father. Yeah. Or chasing him away. Okay, Joe, this is going to be hard, but I'm going to ask you to think about. And you might even consider meditating on this. What if you actually invited him in? That's uh, very interesting. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah, I would have to think about that. I'm not saying you have to do it, but there's a part of him inside of you because he is part of your character structure, not the true man who he was, but, but, but your experience of him. Remember when we sit in meditation, it's to learn to become friendly with everything. To be present to everything, not just the good stuff, but really the uncomfortable stuff. 
See, I don't think you launching in a serial entrepreneur fashion multiple businesses is the problem. I think the problem is you using the launch of multiple businesses as a way to deflect from the fear and the pain of the fear of becoming your father. And in that moment and in that pattern, you disconnect not only from your present life, but from your kids. Yeah. Tell me something, Joe. What was the hardest part of your father's life falling apart? What was the hardest part for you as a 16-year-old, and 17-year-old, and 18-year-old? I think then I would have had a different answer than I do now. So I'll say the answer now and then think back to then. I think now it's looking at the massive opportunity that he had and let and let go and not realizing that one of the best revenges in life for if he needed to take revenge on the divorce or, or so forth is success. So that's, that's the thing that most people. Why was that painful for you? Well, it's painful for me now looking back because I think a lot of people aren't, I'm just going to say blessed with those kind of opportunities where you, you are handed down a business to, um, you know, from a father to a son. So his dad handed him down a business and he completely blew that opportunity to take it to the next level. And, you know, since he's passed away and the business actually has failed. And, um, uh, I, it's really hard for me now to see that it wasn't super obvious that he had a great opportunity and he, what, he blew what, it. What, okay. So what was the painful part for you then? The painful part for me then was him, um, one, I mean, a big thing was alcoholism. Um, I mean, secondary to that is just the way he would, when put it this way, when I would see his van, when I came home as a child, I wouldn't even want to come home. And I think that was the, the hardest for, thing for me back then is just not even wanting to be there because of the way he treated me. How did he way, treat you? Really poorly. I mean, just in in almost every sense, emotionally and, uh, physically, um, you know, not, not good. So he, so he was a terrible father, even when he was present. He had his moments of being not terrible. I'll say that. And, you know, I, it's, it's hard to talk about your father, especially someone that's passed away like that. But the reality was, I don't remember too many of those good moments. I just remember the bad ones. And uh, I don't remember him being present. I don't remember many good things that he actually helped me improve or guide my life in any positive way. And uh, just really, really left me with resentfulment and, and non-understanding of. What do you want your kids to think about you? That I'm the greatest father in the world, really. I mean, the, I think very similar to what any father, any what what I would perceive to be a normal father would want for their their children to think about them. I you know I want them to want me around to be there. And um, the relationship I have with my 16 year old 
um, is very much like that. Um, even though we haven't lived together since she was, she was a baby. Um, it's, we're very, very close and, uh, very much the opposite of the, of the relationships I had with my father. Now my, my two youngest ones, it's a different dynamic because I do see them every day. And it's, I, I, I love that. It's the being present that I fear is that, you know, even though I'm there physically, I'm not there mentally. Like we had, we had touched on and mm. it's something I want to continually strive to be better at. Mm. You know, one thing occurs to me, <clears throat> not unlike when we were talking about meditation before, I noticed a difference between you as a father and what you've described as your own father already. And so this big implicit fear that you've had, which is that you're going to become him, can you notice already that you're not him? I can, but do you know, I, I mean, I'm sure you realize this, that when you're you're born with certain traits in life, like, and sometimes you have to fight against those to get away from them. Um, like some of the, whether it's alcoholism or just being an organized person or not being an organized person or, you know, all of these things happen to you, whether you know it or not, because they happen really early on in your life and you're born with them. So I see, I'm, my fear is that um, they can come back and that's why I constantly fight them. And I'm, uh, you know, because it's, it's like you're, you're almost feel like you're always gravitating toward a certain way and you're, you're fighting that constantly to try and get away from, from that person or being that person. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and whereas I think, you know, I appreciate your point saying I'm not him. My fear is that, you know, one day I could be an alcoholic. One day I could do this. I'm not, but I have to fight against those, those, uh, those feelings. Um, and that, that tendency towards those behaviors. And, um, you have a very powerful tool. Yeah. And that tool is choice. Yes. Right? Carl Jung said, I am not what has happened to me. I am what I choose to become. Now, you know me. I always teach this being so. So the reality is, there is a part of you, just like there's a part of me, that's obsessive. The reality is that there's a part of you that could go down that path of maniacal use of business to create self-affirmation, to ward off the feelings of self-loathing that are rooted in your childhood. What is it you hated about your father? Perhaps the way he made you feel about you. Certainly yes. the way he seemed to feel about you. Yeah. Right? And so your behavior makes sense. The reason why I want to give you the gift of saying your behavior makes sense is because the, the, I know that the process of pushing away the feeling doesn't make it go away. If you noticed, you've got two businesses and you're still obsessively worried about whether or not you're going to end up becoming your father. Yeah. Okay, And the irony is, in that worry, you start to exhibit the very same behavior that you're trying to disown in the first place, not being present for your children. 
Another quote from Carl Jung. Okay. Denying the shadow and pushing it away is like trying to get rid of a headache with a beheading. It doesn't work. Okay. What you want to do in this instance is take in and welcome it in. Not because you're going to necessarily forgive him. I'm not so sure about that. But by welcoming him in, you can see the difference between the man you are today and the man he was then. How old was he when you were 16? 40s? Yeah. Okay. You are not that man. And you are giving yourself the choices. You already have a better relationship with your 16-year-old than he had with his. And you have the gift of language and the gift of self-awareness. And with those gifts comes the responsibility of choosing. How do you want to be? What kind of man do you want to be? When we make the things that are unconscious to us conscious, we give ourselves a shot at being in control of our lives or certainly directing parts of our life. So this process of seeing the relationship between denying your father and the need to launch businesses, the need to check the cell phone, the need to check email, the need to even generate new ideas, seeing the relationship between the two, that's where the choice lies. I don't care if you launch another business. I care if you launch a business pretending that you're launching the business merely because you're a creative guy. Because that then denies what's really going on for you and puts you in danger of reenacting your father's life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think the other, the other big part to that is truly figuring out how to be present without and letting things go. Like, for example, as motivating as, you know, this is, I'm going to go home tonight, be with my kids, play with them. And I don't want to think about this stuff. I I don't want to think about, oh, work or an email or an emergency or. So think about it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then make a choice. You can go to the concert and turn off the phone. You can walk into the house and hand your phone to your wife. That's a choice. Or you can choose to keep it in your pocket and keep it on vibrate so that you know, even without looking at it, when the text message comes in. That's a choice. But the monster in your head, yeah. do you just tell it to shut up? No. No. <laughs> and when, it's, when you're thinking, so even if I didn't have the device, I could see myself still being like all right what's your wife's first name heather does she know that we're having this conversation no okay i want you to have a conversation with her about this conversation okay and i want you to ask for her help and here's what she's going to do heather i gotta tell you i'm loving being here with you and the kids right now and in this moment my mind just left 
The reason I want you to be able to say that is that that's the process. Remember I said 19 minutes of a 20-minute meditation session, the last yeah. minute you wake up. Yeah. Okay. It is, it is unrealistic to expect that you're just going to change behavior because you went to a boot camp for one weekend or we had one conversation and that's it. What you need is to retrain yourself. And enlisting your spouse, who, by the way, knows from the look in your eye when you're no longer there. Yeah, it's true. Very right? true. So even if you haven't noticed it, give her permission to say, Joe, 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 come back right here. Yeah. Right here now. Give me your phone. Or, or Joe, tell me the idea that you just had. So the the crazy thing about this is I think I know I've probably through this whole process, I've trained her to almost do the same thing. So it's, it's something that we, you know, she might do it in a different way with watching TV or reading a magazine or on the iPad, but you know, and, and that's obviously something we have to, to talk through, but, um, Right. I, it, it, I will it, definitely take that advice. It is it is something that we can help each other around. You know, it's the kind of community. It's the kind of way that you know. I'll I'll, t- I'll give you a version of this. Okay, earlier this week, I was really in the red. I was really really stressed out, and personal stuff going on. It was really weighing heavily on my mind. And in a reboot team meeting. Um, I said to to Ali, Khalid, and Dan, who are now part of Reboot, hey, this is what's going on. This is what I'm feeling. And they were incredibly supportive in each of their own ways. But there was a funny thing that happened on Tuesday, and that is that I was going to give a talk at a at a company, and, and Dan texted me and said, hey, I'm going to be at your office in a few minutes. Do you want a cup of tea? And I said, yes. And then I waited in a few minutes and said, and could you bring me a cookie? And that little act of bringing me a cookie, even though I asked for it, was an expression of care and concern that made me feel seen. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's just simply, so those red, yellow, green sticks are a powerful mechanism of, of being able to say, hey, I'm having a hard time right now with staying present. I'm having hard. I want to encourage you to use the tool of connection with someone that you love and some and who loves you to help keep you grounded. This is what we did at the boot camp. We caught each other. We work with yeah. each other. This is the power of being in relationship with another. Joe, do you really want to go do email right now? Really, Joe, is that what you need? Or do you want to go play Legos on the floor? And if you really can't be present, then go do the email. And then close the laptop and come back. Yeah, that's a great point. Right? Satisfy the impulse. Keep a notebook. Write the ideas down in a notebook and then send the email. The reason why is because it's not interactive. 
Because the minute you send an email, what happens? You look at the inbox and you see all the in- emails and you start yeah. answering them and you're lost. Yep. Or you're thinking about someone's response back to your idea exactly. or email. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So these are a couple of small tools. The, the, the basic thing, though, is to increase the awareness of what's actually going on for you. What need internally are you trying to meet by departing from your life in that moment? And then you bring it back. I'm going to try that. You are welcome to email me. In fact, I would, I would be delighted if you emailed me and kept me up to date and let me know how it's going for you. You got it. No, it's my pleasure. It's great to see you and, and talk with you again and look forward to communicating in the future. You too. And I want you to play this weekend with those kids. I will do that. All right. Be well, my friend. So that's it for our conversation today. I know a lot was covered in this episode from links to books, to quotes, to images. So we went ahead and compiled all that and put it on our site at reboot.io slash podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can find out about that on our site as well. I'm really grateful that you took the time to listen. If you enjoyed the show and you want to get all the latest episodes as we release them, head over to iTunes and subscribe. And while you're there, it would be great if you could leave us a review, letting us know how the show affected you. So thank you again for listening, and I really look forward to future conversations together. How long till my soul gets it right?